Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of IC News, where we give our opinion. This is the editorial podcast for the cannabis industry. As you know, we always have a co-host. Uh, this week, we have Betsy Kabaker, who is a very, very talented marketing consultant to some brands that you probably know, Jetty Extracts, Garden Society, MJ, MG Magazine. Uh, she's also just generally kind of a badass bitch, one of my favorites in the industry. If you don't know her, you're going to be hearing a lot more from her soon. Uh, we get into some pretty heavy topics about sexism in the workplace and in cannabis. Uh, we talk about her deep marketing experience and what's working right now and maybe some other things that you can do uh, besides sponsor a music festival or buy a billboard or do a bud tender party. She's very creative, very awesome. Uh, I learned a ton. You're going to learn a ton. Uh, before we get into the episode though, Support for investing in cannabis comes from NorCal Cannabis Company, the most complete cannabis ecosystem in California. As the number one delivery network in the state, NorCal Cannabis makes more than 2,000 delivery transactions daily and has the reach to serve 10 million customers in person within 60 minutes. This isn't food delivery. This is cannabis. To learn more, visit thefutureofcannabis.com. Uh, as I told you guys last week, NorCal Cannabis, our new sponsor and partner, thank you so much for supporting independent media. Their delivery network is the real deal. And as someone uh, that comes from a delivery space, having worked at OnFleet, I understand the challenges there with being able to cover such a big state like California. So thanks to NorCal for doing that work and getting us our cannabis quickly. Uh, all right, let's get into the show with Betsy Kabaker, IC News number four. You're going to learn a ton. I learned a ton. Tune in, listen up, get acquainted. Betsy, what's good, friend? Really nice to see you again. Thank you. Happy to be in sunny Bay Area. Yeah, welcome. Very warm today. Yeah. Very warm. So today we're going to do the IC News kind of thing, which if you haven't seen it before, the idea, if we pick a few different topics every week, and it's opinion, it's editorial, which we discovered is hugely important in the cannabis industry. A lot of press releases, a lot of brand promotion, not very much opinion editorial. So this is my two cents and not just my opinion. My opinion isn't the only one that matters in the world. Today, we have Betsy Kabaker, who is an all around marketing professional. You can hire her right now. She's worked with or does work with Garden Society, Jetty Extracts. Help me out, Betsy. MJ Lifestyle Magazine. Okay, anyone else? For myself with Kabaked and the Kabakery. Right. The delicious edibles. Yeah. French, soon. French pastries French and pastries. birthday cakes. You started that and then you sort of had a, you stopped it for a while. Is that a yeah, legalization I mean, thing? Yeah. So I started the Kabakery when I was in college. Um, I lived in Paris for a year and I learned how to make macarons while I was there. And when I came back to LA, I was at Starbucks and really depressed with the pastry case that I saw in front of me. So. I went home and started making macarons at my parents' house, and I actually could do them, which I was really surprised by because they're pretty tricky. Yeah, it's a hard thing to do, right? And um, I had a bunch of these, and I was my parents don't really eat sweets, so I went to the Starbucks and just passed them out to people passing by. And um, I met this guy who booked me for an event that day. He was the head of a magazine based in L.A. And um, then the Kabakery. Yeah, it's cool. You have it here, right? We were flipping through it. The Kabakery? Oh, no, no, no. Oh, no. I thought you were talking about magazine. Yeah, Sorry. different magazine. It was called no. Focus Magazine. Got it. But, um, Is that a weed magazine? Or no, it's kind of... just, I mean, it wasn't weed at the time when I started this business. It oh, was, word. It was, it was just, just regular just macarons. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Um, and so once I started doing that, I started doing a lot of different pop-ups um, all over California. And um, my friends would throw a lot of parties in L.A. And one of them had like a warehouse party in downtown L.A. that I would have a table at. I kind of went anywhere I possibly could. And You're um, so cool. <laughs> You're selling your macarons in underground parties in downtown LA? Yes, they still exist. They're called Mooney Habits. And um, I would do like crescent dipped macarons in chocolate because the party was like lunar themed. So, that's delicious. And they're yeah. delicious. And But people were really confused why I was there. It would be like 3 a.m. and they're like, what are you what what macarons mm -hmm. a rave basically and i'm like what you're not hungry like you've been dancing for yeah. four hours like come you don't have get... to be hungry to eat anyway it's true yeah. 
That's like a motto. They should put that on my grave, my gravestone. You I'll have call to them. be hungry to eat. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, so we so, talked about the yeah. Women to the Front conference yes. a little bit. Yeah. Um, do you know about this Women Incubator? It's the same people, right? The yeah, same women? the initiative. The initiative. Based yeah. in Portland, I believe. I think so, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so they curated this event in Palm Springs called Females to the Front. And I didn't get the pleasure of going, but Garden Society, the founders spoke and mm -hmm. um, they talked about investing and um, how they can raise money for their companies. And uh, I think it's a really good conversation. They're on their second class or third class? Um, second, second. Yeah. second, yeah. And one of the companies that was, it's, it's really awesome because I actually know someone who was in their last cohort and she's done a complete rebrand with what she's doing, which is awesome to see that the work that they're doing actually is changing what these concepts are and evolving them. And mm -hmm. um, I'm excited to see what comes out of that. But I got to hang out with them. I got to go up there because um, I really like incubators. I helped start the launch incubator here in San Francisco, which is wildly successful now. And um, I don't know, I used to spend a lot of time at Gateway. Both Eric and I were mentors at Gateway. Yeah. I love those guys. Um, sad ending there in a lot of ways. We had we just interviewed Ben two days ago. That's going to be a great article with Vertosa or Nanogen. So many names. So many names. So That's many why names. I should just not have a name for my consulting business. Do, um, but anyway, <laughs> I got to hang out with them because I miss Gateway in the incubator situation. It was a lot of fun. Mm. And I felt like... I'll say this as modestly as possible. I like actually added value for them. Totally. Like I had been in a lot of startups and I think I, I was helpful for them. Um, did Gave most of them their first interview too. Oh, nice. Yeah, so like gave them some practice and yeah, it was fun. Yeah, it was a good space too. So the initiative like really restricts, it's only women that are allowed to join, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, is that the right way to do this? Like, is that, again, we're sort of excluding males from the ecosystem to begin with. And if you look at the model of most incubators out there, they involve potential investors, a, a, AKA like white dudes. Yeah. From the beginning, like early, like they come to pitch practice like week one and they sort of get familiar and they get comfortable with them. Like how do they break in as all women founders, all women investors, all women companies into the very necessary male white money world? like that question? That was a great question. <laughs> Shit. Go ahead. <laughs> I feel, well, so part of the initiative at Females to the Front is they actually had men there who were, uh, Ben was one of them, and mm -hmm. he spoke on a panel with Aaron, the founder of Garden Society. Yeah. And so they do provide access to those people. Um, but I think that it's really, a lot of this is ideological. It's really coming as a group of women together and deciding what we want and how we want to support each other and getting that support from people who have been there before is a huge asset when you're going through it, right? Like you can touch in on that person who has been approached by an investor to come to their hotel room, you know? And like, you can have that conversation with a woman feel comfortable to be like, what the fuck, you know? like that should never happen. And I'm sure it happens much more than we know, but I think um, a lot of this is just being able to have the confidence to walk into that male dominated space, feeling your sister is behind you, you know? And, I see. And Strength in numbers, not empowerment. Just, yeah, empowerment and like- I mean, you've told me this. I, I feel like you give me some really good insight because we're friends and like, I feel like I can ask some questions that I'm not, supposed to ask maybe yeah. it's funny i also have like black friends and asian friends like i was hanging out with sabo yesterday Gold star. of hanu and like yeah thank you very much <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a really nice white rich male dude um so diverse no but they like let me ask questions mm -hmm. that i really shouldn't ask but as a result i yeah. become more educated mm. about the i mean well like i really yeah. want to know i don't want to offend anyone yeah i do like to make jokes <laughs> I think that's acceptable. Okay. Life's about humor. Yeah. So what's the question? Well, you probably can guess it's about women. Okay. Um, but. As your woman in chief, let me. Okay. So there's like these really powerful women in cannabis, like mm -hmm. a handful. There really are. Yeah. Emil, Emily Paxia. And Tahira, I can't pronounce her last name, but she's really Ramatula? awesome. Ramatula? Yes. Yeah. Thank you. She's been on the show. I just didn't want to butcher her name. Totally. Got you. Yeah. She's awesome, right? 
And you kind of brought up how it's extra hard for women. It's like this double standard. Um, and a lot of those women, I don't want to speak directly about Emily and, and Tahira, but women in that position are awfully, often thought of as sort of ball busters mm. or like aggressive or like difficult to work with. And although I said earlier, like they can be, they can try too hard, which is not a flaw. It's not a fault of theirs. But from the other side, it appears like, for me at least, not casual enough. Like I'm a pretty, I'm, I'm smart, I like to work hard, I get stuff done, but I'm pretty casual. Like the day needs to have some joy. And I find that, and maybe this is just because they're still uncomfortable or intimidated yeah, or whatever. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like... um, but they try so hard, they're so formal about it and proper that it doesn't give the sort of same kind of camaraderie. That's not true of all women. I've worked with some awesome fucking women that were really cool and I were way better than the men I worked with like on several occasions. But yeah, I think especially high up in corporate levels, there's sort of like this, yeah, we're going to do this official business for the board and for the record. And then we're also like hanging out and going to lunch and like, Sometimes I think women think they're excluded because they're women. Mm. And the answer is they're excluded just because, like, they're not fun, you know? <laughs> they're just, like, kind of tight. And but do you have people I understand in that why space that, that is. are also not fun? Do I have people in what space that aren't also fun? Like, are you inviting... I mean, you, you're looking at women from a checklist perspective mm -hmm. as far as being able to get into your group. I think it's, like othering women you know and othering any group it becomes that right like if you see them as separate then you're not going to include them in what you're doing and i don't see them as separate yeah what i'm saying is they're separating themselves by by not acting natural yes and it's not a man woman thing there's dudes that do this too yeah they're just really bad at it yeah like so you ever been sold me... something that's like from a terrible salesman and it just feels like they're pitching you the whole time, yeah. you know? There's plenty of dudes like that, too. Yeah. They don't get to the highest levels either. Totally. I think this is really a like, self-confidence thing. Yeah. Like, I think that, um, for me, I've been in positions where um, the person above me looked down on me, or not looked down on me, but was very hypercritical in a way that made me feel stupid. Mm -hmm. And because I felt that, I was coming from a, a fear-based place every time I was trying to have a conversation or do something. It was like I, I like thought about every action that I took to such a degree that it prevented me from acting mm -hmm. because I was thinking this guy is seeing me X, he's judging me on every single thing that I do. But when you're in a space where you don't feel judged or you don't feel criticized in that way, I feel like you're able to perform naturally because you feel like you're just doing your thing. You're not worried about what this person thinks of you or if you're in the club or not in the club like but when you're in a space where those are very real things it's hard to not be in that space myself although i do know that that could be an age thing you know like age is part of it definitely people started to take me more seriously like when i turned 30 or like right around 30. um i guess my perspective on what you just said i can't disagree I've certainly been self-conscious before and nervous and all those things. What I will tell you is that dudes in business aren't thinking about that at all. Yeah. And so like if you... I mean, I'm 26, by the way. Yeah. So like yeah. I'm new to the world yeah. in this way. Yeah. And like I hope that when I'm older and I mean, now I see it with my clients. Like I have an all male team that I work with now and I don't think about it at all. You know, I don't psych myself up to get on the phone, but I have been in situations where I've been... Um, working for someone who's had a really crazy career and I'm now talking to him directly and feeling like, holy shit. And but see, that happens for me too. Yeah. And, and I think of that as a good thing. If I'm surrounding myself by people that make me a little nervous, yeah. I'm doing it right. Yeah, but I had to like psych myself up to have that conversation. We all and, did. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, I guess, not a male thing. I mean, look, I think that there is a lot of validity to older white males mm -hmm. identifying with younger white males yeah no question yeah but the idea that i as a younger white male am not like stressed and nervous and self-conscious about that conversation is but you don't no one talks about that right like is that something that you feel free to express that i'm nervous or, yeah you know for a man i'm pretty um emotionally expressive yeah so i think i'm a little different yeah but 
It kind of depends. Like, this is funny. Like, if I don't smoke weed for a couple days mm-hmm. or like a week, mm-hmm. I definitely act more like a dick, like a like a dude. Because <laughs> you're not grounded and yeah. you're not yeah. and not like appreciative and slowing down and like being more empathetic. Like, I'm more just like this is what I want. I'm doing this. Yeah. Do it, you know. Yeah. And sometimes for business, that can be good, like a little bit of edge. Totally. But like, I don't really like myself as much. Yeah, I drink more. Yeah. Anyway. I'm glad you confessions. smoked weed today. Conf- <laughs> <laughs> you sound like my older sister. <laughs> you specialize in marketing. Mm-hmm. Marketing in the cannabis industry is tricky. Yes. Like, almost every product that you buy in the world, unless it's from like Walgreens or Safeway or Walmart or Costco, you probably bought or advertised to digitally. Um, And people don't even realize how often they're being targeted, retargeted, A-B tested, click, you know, cost per clicked everywhere. Until you say something and then suddenly it's like on your Instagram. Yeah, like whenever (laughs) I talk about Haagen-Dazs ice cream, it's in my Instagram feed and like I'm delighted. I love being retargeted. I I don't care. Take all my information if that means I have a better experience. But anyway, the point I'm trying to make is this cannot be done in the cannabis industry. You cannot advertise on any of the social media platforms or on Google or anything. Isn't that like a huge handicap in what you do? Yeah, I mean, I grow social media accounts for a living and I can't use any advertisements at all. I can't pay for anything on Instagram or Facebook. And so, although I do have to say that I have gotten some posts pushed through, but they don't lead to our website. So it's not going to be about conversions. It's really about like getting information, like a press article with our founder that's featured on Forbes. Like that's something that you can push through. But as far as like anything product related, it also, you put your account at risk for getting it flagged and taken down if you try anything. How, How many times has that happened to you? Oh, it's it's constant. I mean, it, it hasn't luckily happened to any of the brands that I specifically work on, but nice. like... And is that because you took some precaution or that's just luck? It's all organic what I do. And um, I've had a brand that has tested sort of an optimization software for Instagram and um, they didn't realize that that account, the way that it works is it pushes the algorithm to its outer limits. And so if you do any manual actions after that, your account gets flagged and they saw that it was a CBD company and they just took it down. Hmm. So Even for just a CBD, it was a hemp company. It was a hemp company. Wow. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's a huge issue and I'm, I don't really get it because all the big tech companies are in California. Yeah, and you can geogate it. Like, why yeah, can't you do sure. that? Why yeah. can't you just have none of this content showing up on other... Yeah, just geofence and it's fine. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I think one way to think about it is like, it's everything is underlined uh, by a dollar bill and they've probably just evaluated like the resources required to do this doesn't account for how much revenue we're going to get from it. I mean, I just think about them. Like they're also public uh, companies, you know, so like, yeah. that could have a really like negative ramification. You know, if you're a big investor from New York, like you might have problems, you know. I don't know. But the risk of that in this space in a legalized economy, I feel like should be able, we should have access to those resources. Well, should is a wonderful idea. <laughs> I agree. But yeah, that's, should is not. I'm trying to find that person at Instagram or Facebook that I could just change their mind. And there are people that I know in the Bay Area who what have access to people. a lobbyist mentality. <laughs> You're going to go to Instagram. And convince them to have weed accounts? Yeah. I mean, it's like so irrational that they're making all of our accounts get taken down and we could be paying them. You know, if they're making all their money on advertisement, why don't you allow us to do that? Betsy, you are a highly competent (laughs) individual, but I have to say I'm skeptical. (laughs) I actually know an account in the Bay Area who knows someone who knows someone and that's how they they got their account back. Okay. And so... No people. What we really need is like Kim Kardashian. Mm. She, you know, she's well, doing she's, the prison reform yeah. thing, but we need Facebook reform. Exactly. I mean, we Priority. need a lot of Facebook reform. I think That's cannabis true. is not really like That's at the true. top of that list. But exactly my point. Yeah. It's not a priority for them. Yeah, yeah totally. Um, I get that. So it seems like everybody's in Canvas is doing like the same shit, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Like sponsoring Northern Nights, doing outside lands, putting up billboards, um, giving samples to bud tenders. Like... 
is this stuff working and can you measure any of this? Because it's one of the hardest things I find to do. Totally. I think you have to really be careful about your messaging and know that a lot of consumers are not consumers yet. And so that's really how I think about it. Like if you put a billboard up like um, select, which I don't condone, but. Feel free to rant on select. <laughs> I know you don't condone so them. But. Their latest ad campaign was pretty stupid because they, it said, not your grandma's cherry pie. That was the slogan. Mm -hmm. And who knows what that even means if you're not in cannabis and know that there's a, a strain related to that. Yeah. Like any other regular person in their car, that's it's gonna think lost it's like on them. Impossible burger for pies, like yeah. health, healthy pies. Like, yeah, so. like that doesn't give anyone anything. No information. I is, mean, it is, does for me. And maybe that's what they were going for. Yeah. And brings up kind of an interesting question, which is, I'm gonna butcher this percentage, but some high percentage, like 60, 80% of cannabis sold in, in California. Is heavy consumers. Yeah, it goes yeah. to like 10% of consumers. So yeah. aren't they right? But how right? do you evolve that? It just takes time. That's you have to time. give them things to latch onto and the new consumer is who I focus on. I don't focus on anyone who's here now because that's the past to me and they're gonna buy the products that they're gonna continue to buy. I think it's really hard to change their mind at this point when they've been kind of navigating this space over a few years at this point. We've had medical in, in California for a while, now rec and adult use. So my the, thing is the changing the minds of the people who aren't consuming at all yet. Like what's gonna get them to actually pick that up? The key motivator for people is price though. Yeah, Can that's marketing true. really overcome the price of black market cannabis? I don't think so. I think now you're seeing the repercussions of illicit cannabis. If like, you're in the weed industry, if you're a consumer, it's incredible. Yeah, but then you get tainted vape pens and get a disease that could kill you, you know? Like, the safety of the regulated market is something that people don't consider because a lot of people don't even know that things get lab tested so stringently. Mm -hmm. Like, avocados don't pass the same amount of regulations that cannabis do mm -hmm. or does. And so um, I think that's something that consumers have no idea about. They don't get how strict this actually is and that it's not just about molds and pesticides and things like that. It's also about heavy metals, which is a really big problem with vape pens and also lots of different products. And so I think that when you're looking at safety and sure you could get some bang for your buck in the illicit market, but you have no idea what's in that. And there's no consistency. It's like all the problems that we had that were legalization is helping to fix, like consistency, potency being the real potency that's actually on the label matching, you know? I think that um, I would so much rather know what I'm getting and know that it isn't killing me especially when cannabis is one of those things that is healing people and mm -hmm. you have to allow it to have that. And if you're a patient and you're in any unregulated environment, you're getting crap and you're putting that in your body and that's not helping you, mm -hmm. but that's all you have access to. Mm -hmm. And that's a big, big problem when we originally got cannabis because of medical access in California anyway. Well, that's a really good transition. Not like we talked about this ahead of time or anything, but um, the medical program is really dissolving. It's yeah. really not here anymore. And there were some promises early on with 64 that you could get a special medical card yeah. and not Which pay would be expensive also to get. It would also be expensive. And it really is excluding people from the free market that originally, at least in California, were the basis for legal cannabis. and kind of sad. I mean, if you go back to the late 90s, 1996, and, and the sort of AIDS patients that started with the brownies, Mary's brownies in the hospital, like, it was not about corporate branding and packaging and supply chain. It was like, these people are sick. They need help. There's sort of this fight for the soul of cannabis right now. Do you see that? How real is that? Like, does that matter? So in D.C., and I've also seen this in other places like Israel, the conversations to get cannabis in the first place all revolve around patient access because they're people with real conditions that need that. And if you can't get it, you're going to, what, go to another state to give your kid something that they need to avoid seizures. It, it becomes a big um, 
motivator for people to change the laws. I mean, commerce isn't enough of a motor a motivator to me. I feel like like I'm talking to you guys and you could say that, but when you're trying to get laws to change, it's really that like Riley, she's a girl who's I think like 13 now and she had a tumor and a rare bone disease that cannabis really helped her and she's the one who changed the laws. And now she's able to get cannabis to her at school, you know, and that was because she went and talked to that person and said it helped me. And um, I don't really see I, so to get any laws, we need the medical access. We need that medical conversation happening because people care about people. And now once you get adult use, that kind of went away in California. And now it's so expensive that all of those people can't participate at all. And the way that they were getting access was through these things called compassion programs where they could get free cannabis. So. Um, one of the brands I work with, Jetty Extracts, have ha has had the Shelter Project, so they've had a thousand cancer patients get free access to cannabis. They, in 2018, they had to shut down that program because of Prop 64. And to get it back, we have to do so much backtracking in order to get, I mean, it was supposed to be signed, the Compassion Bill was supposed to be signed with the last round of legislation in California, and now it's back, and it's had to go through so much just to get people who are in need access to things that they've had for 10 years as part of the medical, the original medical cannabis um, legislation. So right now, SB 34 is supposed to, well, we hope it gets signed by Gavin Newsom and um, they're doing some good press around it because it really is kind of where the heart of the industry started in California and to watch no one get access at this point unless you can pay the price of adult use retail is doing a disservice to everyone who got us here. And um, it didn't just happen overnight that we got here. It's like so much um, activism that have had to ha that has had to happen from that community. And um, I just hope that it gets signed so that people like veterans who I mean, we know now through the work that is being done with Operation EVAC, where they speak to veterans with PTSD at dispensaries and talk to them about how cannabis can help them. I mean, that's Ryan, been a huge Ryan, research. Uh, Ryan Miller? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, shout, out. shout out to Ryan Miller. Yeah. I mean, to watch that work and to see those people actually reap the benefits of this plant, which is giving all of us that relief, it's that's where it needs to go to the people who really need the help, not the people who have the money to have the help. And I think a lot of the branding that we're seeing now is speaking to so much of a recreational market that even those products that really can go for that type of person are getting lost on dispensary shelves because the people who have the most flashy branding are getting the spot. See, for me, this is a question that's bigger than canvas. Like this is a moral question mm. of whether business has an obligation to be good. Hmm. And I starkly believe that no, they shouldn't take actions that are bad to hurt society. And certainly there are moments that overlap that we need the government and judges to make decisions on. But for the most part, I believe that businesses are established to make money and that's their only obligation. But now you look at like what's happening with the climate, you're looking at the amount of trash that's in the world. Like I saw a YouTube video of like a river of trash going through somewhere. Mm -hmm. This is all because people don't care about what actions, they're, the consequences of their actions in that way. And I think that there's a huge movement for businesses that are actually doing good things for everyone you know i mean not everyone but everyone has their target right and and that's also a really good way to connect with your customers if you're a company that cares your customers will probably also care because they'll be attracted to that part of you maybe i mean I i'm hoping you, that's like kind also of also create the perception that you're good totally without actually being good oh absolutely and then how do we know as consumers I, I would just argue i agree with everything you said i would just argue that that's government's role yeah to rein them in and say actually no we don't like that you know like yeah, you... but the government doesn't have those ideals at all well that's a different but also fair point so they're going to be voting they're going to be doing everything based on what interests that 
they have. Mm -hmm. And most of that is not protecting the environment, protecting the disenfranchised. They're thinking about the bottom line too. And mm -hmm. they're doing that even more than these companies are, in my opinion. Yeah. So a good brand is one that cares about its customers? Well, I think a good brand has a story going on and they have a reason to exist. I think that in cannabis, we have a lot of brands that don't have a reason to exist except the bottom line and that yeah. they see it as a monetized opportunity that they can jump into. Mm -hmm. But um, when you look at those, like for example, at Hall of Flowers, the conference, the, the trade show that just happened, you can tell when a brand doesn't have anything to stand on. Mm -hmm. And I'm not attracted to those brands and mm -hmm. maybe I'm a discerning customer and maybe- No, you're a millennial. Yeah, that's also true. And so if I, if you have this whole generation of people thinking in these terms where we're going to change the world, we don't want to do the things that our parents did that degraded the environment and all of that. Yeah. I think that I'm a millennial. Yeah. I'm a little older than you. I'm yeah. 32. Mm -hmm. You don't have to say how old you are, but I, I, I know I'm a little older than you. And so I'm kind of a bad millennial. Yeah. Like <laughs> bad millennial. I kind of authenticity is important to me, mm -hmm. but more like authenticity of people. Mm. Like, I kind of believe, going back to business, like, if you create a brand that people buy, that's sufficient. Like, good job, you know? And, yeah. like, whether or not you donate a third of your proceeds to make Tom's in Guana, like, I like the product. That's why I bought it. Yeah. Not... But like, when you think about, okay, think of how many vape pens there are in the world. Yeah. How are you going to differentiate if you're a vape pen? Okay, for example, Jetty, right now, they actually give a shit about a lot of things that are happening in the cannabis world. Mm -hmm. And so they developed the Cannabis for Good tour where they're going and communicating what's happening as far as like what needs to be done to consumers with the Compassion Bill. And that, to me, it pulls on heartstrings. That goes back to the history of cannabis, which is so much more of a connection for someone who cares, and that develops brand loyalty. People are gonna come back. When the vape crisis hit it, in the last few weeks, it was like, Jetty has always had safe cartridges. Mm -hmm. They've mm -hmm. always had that. And the comments that we were getting were people confirming their loyalty based on that. Like, mm -hmm. oh, Jetty's always doing good. Yep. And that's what resonates with those people. Yep. And they're going to continue to engage with our brand because we're going to put more things in front of them that give them something to care about. Because mm -hmm. people, the world right now is so crazy that like, I feel like it becomes kind of an antidote to modern times is interacting with brands that can make you feel good about what you're spending, you know? Like, so I'm going to ask a potentially flagrant question. Tell me. Um, do you think that's a characteristic more of women? I think it's a characteristic of like Bay Area more than it would be women. Okay. I think that um, if you're going to a conservative area that is all pop popularized by like Starbucks, Subway, all of those kinds of chain retailers that have no real kind of character or soul, you're gonna be used to that kind of commerce. You're not gonna understand that something can really speak to you as a person on multiple levels and is not just like what's available to you. I mm -hmm. think that the Bay Area is really discerning. We don't allow box stores in the city mm -hmm. and we appreciate the character. And for me, like, having taste is such a huge element of my life and like that's how I've got been able to really um, excel in cannabis because there's so many brands who have no taste you know they have no story they have no nothing that they're trying to like there there's no perspective and for a consumer to feel like it's part of their life they need something a little bit stronger than a blank Bl like bland kind of package like minimum packaging with the right warning notifications but like it's not going to do it. anything I mean, so what's good packaging like I, i've spent some time with lou you know down by the airport and they yeah, make a yeah. lot of the weed packaging nice yeah. guys nice guys um but what makes a good package i think now you're seeing an opportunity for brands to communicate their story through the package which um I think that's design, but that's also text. And really, like on Garden Society, another one of my brand's pre rolls, when you on open. On the show next week, by the way. Garden yes. Society, yeah. Exciting. Yeah. Um, but when you open up their box of pre rolls, it talks about where it's grown. It talks about the hills of Mendocino and the sun grown cannabis that, that we have. And I feel like that 
is a nicer story to me than just something that you pick up off a shelf that communicates a color, you know? Yeah, or a feeling. A feeling, yeah. Energy, and, you know. Yeah, and I think that at this point we're seeing so many tropes play out across the board and that's something that I'm trying to stay away from really actively because it's like, oh, like for example, Jetty, like it's a brand based in San Diego that was started by surfers who had a friend who had cancer that they wanted to get him mm -hmm. safe medicine. And the heart of the brand is in San Diego. That's authentic to the experience. But when I'm talking to them about it, it's like, but we don't want to just be like this California brand. You have to really take it up a notch because you have old pal doing like a Woodstock bus that they drive around mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. it's like hippie culture. And um, you have all of these kind of traditional cannabis tropes being spread everywhere. When you look at content, it's like a vape pen and a yoga mat mm -hmm. over and over and over and over and over mm -hmm, by every mm -hmm. single brand that has a vape pen. Yep. And to me- Just, just for the record, mm. Eric and I did that like three years ago. What? the ganja yoga stuff. Like, yeah. Now everybody's doing that. But like, totally. I mean, go back you... and watch that. It's pretty funny, actually. Me, <laughs> me doing yoga. Really high, so. Totally. I love yeah. Dee. She's awesome. And now they have ganja yeah, yoga around. all over, which all is amazing. Over. She's you know been training also cool people. Like that is uh, Heidi Keys. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so happy for both of them. Yeah, like, they same. took something that's really, they really love and like made it bigger. Yeah, know? because like, a lot of people love smoking weed and doing yoga. And a yeah. lot of people like painting like, and being creative I, I, and, I know and smoking weed. I know that was you know uh, a yoga instructor mm -hmm. and Heidi was just like an art teacher like and that's, that's so pretty dope, much what you know? she's doing like, I don't want to get too political here but like that's America <laughs> right well that's the beauty of the cannabis industry at least in the beginning was like find your passion and add weed right and yeah. that's kind of how I got into it was yeah. I was making pastries and that was my passion and I was doing that all over California and then when I looked at my competition in that realm, it was like Bottega Louis and yeah. La Dure. And like, yeah. how could I compete against those brands as yeah. a single entrepreneur? It wasn't possible. But when I looked at cannabis, it was like so much more fun to me because there was nothing else really. Greenfield, yeah. It was just do what you love to do. Yeah. And, and if you have the passion and drive, you can get something done. But then I hit a wall with regulations coming and it suddenly became really apparent that I needed millions of dollars to actually yeah. do it. So yeah. that's where we're seeing like a lot of the stagnation with innovation happening in cannabis is like you have entrepreneurs who want to think up ideas, not a bunch of old white men in suits talking in boardrooms, talking about the same shit that they always talk about. Like you're not like going to get any diversity happening there. You're not going to get any diverse. No, I mean, there is no diversity in that room, first of all. So you're not getting any difference of opinion. You're not getting any well, there's new probably ideas. Like German, Swiss, <laughs> British. Yeah. That's very diverse, Betsy. What but do you mean? are these happening in all these boardrooms? Because <laughs> it's probably a Canadian and an American, and that's well, probably I'm saying it. descendants. You know, all different oh, kinds yeah. of white people. All different types of white people. Yeah, exactly. So diverse. So groundbreaking. All the ideas will change the world and the environment will be intact. So honestly, I'm not sure marketing matters because of the black market. Like mm. if you've had your dude come to your house for yeah. the last 10 years and he lays everything out in front of you, it's half the price of the dispensary or delivery. It's the same weed. Like, does it matter how but good- But it's not the, the same weed. It is. Oh my God, I, I, it's the same weed. The, they're, the cultivators, the growers are selling some legally and some to do. Well, that's also because you're in California, so you have access Thankfully, to great yeah. people, yeah. but the rest of the country isn't so lucky, lucky in that way. Have you ever heard the saying that like, there's two types of people in the world? Mm -hmm. There's Italians and everybody that wants to be Italian. You ever heard that? No. I'm not Italian, but that's how I feel about California. Like there's two types of people. There's like people that live in California and people that want to live in California. Okay. You don't, you don't agree? No. I mean, I think a lot of people like California and that's part of the ideal of these brands being surfer brands is like you can export that idea to other states because people will always resonate with that message. I like right? how you brought it back to something yeah. relevant. <laughs> Sometimes it's fun. People enjoy when you kind of like derailed. Yeah, you ever listen to Mark Maron's podcast? No. What the fuck? You know who Mark Maron is? No. Oh, he's a comedian and an actor, and he's been doing podcasting since like podcasting started. He's hilarious, and he just like talks about nonsense and like. But he's really funny. Anyway. Is that what we're doing now? Should we just talk about? Well, nonsense? now we're in the back half of the episode, and okay. producer Eric gets mad at me. 
Oh, we can smoke, yeah. Cool. Producer Eric gets mad at me if in the first half I'm not structured and focused. Okay. But then in the back half, he like, not many people listen. Yeah. To be perfectly honest, so <laughs> so it's like so we can talk about whatever. Whatever. I mean, we still got some topics here. Okay, <laughs> let's get to the other most important one while we're still here. Yes. Um, is um, all right. This is a delicate question to ask. Mm. In the beginning of cannabis, mm -hmm. there was this idea that minorities and women had more of a fighting chance in this industry. Yeah. Um, as we've alluded to, white men still currently run the world. Yep. I don't say that proudly, even as a white man. I certainly don't run the world. <laughs> um, but is that true? Is it somehow more fair or equitable for women and minorities? Let's just talk about women, because you're not a minority. So yeah. are you a minority? I, sh I guess I shouldn't assume that. I'm Jewish. That counts. That counts. Are you full Jewish? I'm I like Jewish, you know? Yeah. I mean, I am like. Did you have my, a bat mitzvah? I did have a bat mitzvah. My dad goes to shul every Saturday, as do my grandparents mostly. So um, definitely part of the tribe. Dope. Um, do you identify with it? Like, do you believe in God? I do believe in God, but I would communicate it as energy. And I don't. Uh, you don't believe in Jew God. I mean, I don't believe in like the Old Testament God, but well, that's what Jewish is. But I believe in like mysticism that is also part of like Judaism, Kabbalah? like not necessarily Kabbalah, but there's like different kind of sacred texts that explain how I you feel. So LA. So LA. Can I just say that? I know. <laughs> I mean, that's cool. LA's great. Yeah. Taking the show you're, to LA. Yeah, you're moving to nine LA. Nine days. Yeah, I'm from Orange County. I, I I know the deal, but. That was about the most LA answer possible. You know I what? I'm really, I'm really more spiritual. I, yeah. That's the same shit. I meditate every day. I try to. But that's different. That's an active like wellness thing. That's True. like yoga, you know? True. That's different than faith. I yeah. never had faith in anything my whole life. If you tell me you're going to well, give me $100, I, feel... I don't believe you until I get the fucking $100. Yeah. Know? I feel like personally, I feel connected to some path. And I feel like I've been drawn in a specific place. And that's what really my experience with cannabis has been is like, it felt like so the answer of what I was looking for. And I, every time I pursued it further, I would get rewarded. And it was like more signs pushing me in the right direction. And I felt like I never felt like I didn't belong. I felt like I am like, this is my place. Yeah. And that came from me expressing my passion and turning it into something within the industry. And when I first did that, there weren't very many people around and most of the people around were total kooks for mm -hmm. the most part, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. Like I would go to HempCon and sit in the back with a pamphlet about how to start a delivery service from someone with a collective model, you know? And that in that context, I felt like an outlier in a lot of ways because no one looked like me, no one dressed like me. And um, doing marketing, that's what you want. You want someone who has style, who has something to say that can communicate your brand in that way. And I also felt empowered in that space because I didn't really feel like the natural gender norms existed in cannabis. Mm -hmm. And I feel that when I walk into a space, especially in the Bay Area, and there are a lot of really powerful women around me mm -hmm. and they're powerful, but also collaborative. Mm -hmm. Like they want to lift you up. They want to talk to you about how we can help each other and i don't think that exists in a lot of spaces mm -hmm. in a lot of industries and i know that um before this i worked in fashion it was like very different like the environment was not open in that way where i felt i feel like in cannabis i'm meeting so many soul people that i just love on a soul level mm -hmm. that um they're what they're doing also inspires me and so the women of this industry really are kind of gelling together, at least in Northern California. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think it's the same in Southern California, but I really feel supported. And like one of my brand's garden society does a lot of work around women empowerment. And I truly feel that the way that they're building their business is empowering me as a human to live my best life. Mm -hmm. And um, to find companies that are doing that work and who are trying to build new types of businesses. Like Garden Society really is trying to create a new type of way to work with each other. The founders wanted something new for themselves. They wanted a business that worked for them. Mm -hmm. And as someone who works with them, I feel like, I mean, I just took two months off to travel. I'm still on call. I'm still working, but- You're fancy though. <laughs> well, 
two sure. thoughts on what you were saying <laughs> yeah. before. Um, Do we have a lighter? Yeah, we have a lighter. Um, the thing is, when you talk about cannabis that way, that joint is okay. What are we smoking, by the way? Sunday Goods. It's good. It's not Sunday. It's, it's Saturday. Not. Thanks for taking your Saturday. Oh, it's not Sunday right? Goods, actually. It's Sunday School. So two different brands. One has a clothing line that's amazing. The other is pre-rolls. Why does everyone Arizona, have a clothing line? Not everyone does. I mean, what, you have Cookies, which has had it forever. Yeah. And that probably came from needing you a like website. Cookies? Do you think the weave's that much better? I think Cookies does a really good job at being everywhere. Yeah. I mean, now they're like in Arizona, they're I don't in Michigan. Like as a rapper, they're... Though. He's not a good rapper. Yeah, but he's doing it out of his love. He's not doing it to be like I'm a rapper. Like he's, you know, I, I, I like that. You know, if you want to be a rapper, be a rapper and have a weed line and that's uh -huh. chill. And, and he's doing it and a lot of people resonate with him. And he's one of the few like cannabis celebrities that we have. And, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Good for him. So, back to the women's stuff. Yes. Um, producer Eric is not nodding his head. Um, I guess for me, I have some struggle identifying with it. And maybe I'm just in a bubble. I've lived in San Francisco my whole adult life. But I find that I came from the technology industry. Yeah. A little bit of finance, a little venture capital. And I found that women largely were treated very well and supported each other a lot. And I don't see the big difference between cannabis and technology. Now I can't speak for other industries. I'm now starting to dabble in some real estate, so I guess I'll find out there too. My feeling is it's pretty macho, but um, I don't know. Am I just desensitized to it? Am well, I you're not... not a woman, so you don't know what it's like to walk yeah, into but a room I try where to no one looks in. like you. No, and... of course, I'll never understand, but yeah. I try to learn. I ask a lot of questions. I have three sisters. Like, you know, I, I try to understand the perspective. I watch the view sometimes. Yeah. So for me, like, I went to a tech crunch last year. Yeah. And that was my first, like, But tech... Disrupt is pretty bro -y. I yeah, have to say Yeah, but okay, yeah. so, like, I... But... but that's AOL. You know, tech crunch is owned by AOL. That's a big multinational corporation. But think like... of how many more conferences are like that versus ones that are accessible and comfortable for women to be in. I totally agree, conferences. But I'm talking about just, like, working internally in a company and being supported or yeah. being like undermined you know so i think it's like really i don't want to throw out this word but like microaggressions and mm -hmm. like these like kind of micro moments that you're like so for example i had a project with a mso i was making a powerpoint for them and for the ceo to speak um at a conference and i hired an animator because they wanted the the whole presentation to be really nice and um that animator had so much more FaceTime and more communication going directly to him than I felt like the managers of the project were with me. Mm. And it was like immediate. It was like all of a sudden there's another guy in the room and they're directing all the comments to him and they don't notice this, but, I, and maybe I'm sensitive, you know, like they're great guys. I actually like kind of, I'm upset that I use this example because I hope they don't know I'm talking about them. But <laughs> Nobody really, listens to this, don't worry. <laughs> but they're really nice guys. But in that communication, I was definitely being undermined, you know, and it was natural. It was just like, that's what happens. And to have at that time, I had only women-owned brands where that's never part of the situation. That's never something that I have to worry about. I never have to psych myself up to like have a presentation because I feel supported by the people around me. And I, ne I don't feel like I'm being looked down on or not necessarily being looked down on, but like I've had a really, really shitty male bosses who just talk to me like I was stupid. But and I've had shitty male bosses totally, talk to me like I was stupid. Totally, but that I feel like when, so Part of this is like now I work with an all male team for the most part. There are two women in it and they really see me as an expert and they talk to me like that and they're not condescending or anything like that. And I think that women are more likely in a position where they feel like they have to prove themselves so much because the people around they them. have to try harder. Yeah. But I think the result of that, I love this conversation. Yeah. The result of that is that men view those kinds of women mm -hmm. as trying too hard. So how can we win? 
I'm not saying I don't know how to win. This Honestly, is, this is like an I don't know how to fix this situation. From all of these messages that are coming to us, is like you guys. They wake up every morning. They're like, I can make money. I'm awesome. I'm gonna slay this day. Women are like, I have to put on makeup to make myself acceptable to society. I have to like, I've done so much work just on self confidence because as women, we're taught not to have self-confidence. Mm-hmm. We're taught to be pretty, we're taught to be skinny, and if you're not that, you're gonna have self-esteem issues forever. And until you go to a beach and see that every woman has cellulite, you're not gonna feel like you're great, and that's stupid. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, it's really having that woman have the self-confidence to put themselves in the same mindset that men are in all the time, which is I qualify for this position even if I don't. You know, like women don't walk into a room feeling qualified. They, I mean, studies have uh, looked at this about how a woman won't apply for a job because she doesn't feel as qualified and a man- she doesn't see herself there, right? Yeah. Really, like most of what you learn on jobs is it, it, you learn everything on the job, right? And so it's like putting women in a space where they feel so self-empowered that when they walk into that room, it really doesn't matter what any of those people think about them. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of women don't have access to resources to get them in that space mm-hmm. and they don't necessarily talk about it. And so one thing that's happening a lot in cannabis, especially women in cannabis, is that we're having a lot of these women in cannabis events, right? And it's all about women supporting women, which I think is good. And I think- Is it kind of patronizing though? Like, I always feel like, okay, I go to these conferences, I speak at conferences sometimes, and there's like all these panels with white dudes, Mm -hmm. and then they got the one panel with the women, and like two of them are black. Yeah. And I think to myself, like, is this good? Like, is this what we're striving for? Well, so I think that those types of setups are not good because if you look at the audience makeup, also it's all women, you know, and you get maybe a few male allies yeah. in there, but the rest of them are at the investment panel and they're yeah. not listening to anything that's happening yeah. in that space. And um, we need more women in those spaces to talk about it. And um, just talking to women internally is not gonna help us in a conference setting. But I think that what is really powerful is when women are in these spaces, like there was a conference a few weekends ago in Palm Springs called Females to the Front. And that's really a space where you can develop sisterhood, you can make connections with- Why is it for women? Like is that, it's sort of like the reverse of what we critiqued about men, right? That like with men only clubs and the good old boys network and like now we're saying only women? Okay, so part of this is that what you're talking about with these male clubs, like that has existed forever, right? Like the business environment has always been male to male. And in order to get past that, you have to do so much as a woman to meet them where they are and get invited to those spaces. Mm -hmm. And so if you have that exchange happening over and over and over, that's how you develop power. And that's how you guys are stronger as like a subset of humans Mm -hmm. is like you guys have exchanged power within your group. So maybe there's a way for women, if we exchange power within our group and we build supply chains where they actually work because we're totally freaking capable of that. Like we can compete because we also are doing business Look, I, differently. I see your logic, but the only way for women to truly be equal, if that's what we're striving for, yeah. is for them to assimilate into the man business world. And it's not about fair. It's just literally how it is, right? Yeah, you you change from within. Yeah. yeah. And so... But I think both need to happen. Okay, that's Because I think fair. that... Um, having the support of other people who can walk through how you walk through life and can empathize on what the challenges that you're being faced with if you're raising money like women talking to women about raising money at some point also this is more to what you were saying is like women have so much trouble even talking about money I feel like so that so the conversations that we need that facilitation Why? why is that I mean, I feel like money is just like an impolite subject. Like that's how mm. I was taught, you mm. know, and, and that you're not really 
talking to other women about how much they're making or anything like that. Like, I feel like when I'm having those conversations, I feel like aggressive. Like, Mm -hmm. I feel like an aggressive woman that I'm like, oh, like comparing what I'm doing to a friend, like that's sort of like, if you're my best friend, we'll talk about that. But, But, but yeah, you're happy to buy new clothes and get your nails done and spend all this money, right? Totally happy to do that and put all the men who don't have to do any of that at I'm not a... saying that's fair, but what I'm yeah. saying is you are displaying your disposable income. Yeah. Even if you're not directly saying the number. Right? Like anybody totally. that meets you knows that you were an affluent kid, right? Like yeah. that's just how it is. And so maybe you feel uncomfortable about saying numbers and dollars. But you're saying, you're expressing it, you know, it. and I'm not saying like you're so over the top or like spending so much money, but women do this consistently, right? They're like the nice bag, the good shoes, like all it's really important. But then you're saying like they don't want to talk about money. It's like uncomfortable. And I don't know. There's a disconnect there for me. Totally. I could see that. But I also think that um, all of these things are kind of weird tools that women have. Um, that men don't necessarily have in the same way where like I know that Gloria Steinem said something about like use all the tools that you have in your arsenal to get power right and for women I mean upkeep and maintenance is a form of getting power because I mean the bias of someone choosing an attractive person over a not attractive person exists and so if you present yourself to the world for the position that you want, not the position that you have, like you're gonna get that new position. And so that becomes a way that we can kind of um, also stand out, right? Like you're gonna remember someone who looks great and I know it's really shitty and, but. Also cars, I'm moving to LA. Yeah, and I you have need to get to, a car. Yeah. yeah. And like, it's a thing, you like are what you drive yeah, in LA. And like, true. I don't wanna make it like that, but it is it like, is like that, that, you know? Yeah. And I, I spent my whole adult life in San Francisco where no where one gives like, a shit. Maybe nobody has a car or they like have a Prius because it's like eco, yeah. you know? And it's kind of a wild thing. Like, I don't know. I'm not that stoked on driving a lot. We talked about the potential advantages of women in the cannabis industry. Um, but that doesn't exclude the possibility from sexism as a whole because it manifests itself in, in really different ways. And like there was the the meat gate. Yes. MJ Biz a few yes. years ago. I'm laughing. I know I shouldn't laugh, but it's pretty funny. Like this woman voluntarily agreed and she was paid, albeit not that much, but she was paid to be in a party and have cold cuts. We shouldn't live in a world where this is what women do. At to all? To make money. Even if I they mean, want to? I think there are better options for people. Like what, McDonald's? Like something where you're learning, yeah. I mean, Walmart? learning skills that you can then in- improve just being a piece of flesh on a table but is excuse not... me though, like how many Unless models an... and actresses started out doing some dumb shit? Yeah, but... Like, okay, you know a big way that you get into sports? Yeah, Like professional sports without being LeBron? Yeah. Is like, you're the water boy. Or the towel guy, like you. It like, has to start somewhere. Yeah, like you've got to start somewhere at the and, bottom. You know, you're making connections. You're building, you know, goodwill, and then it's like, hey, I'm gonna get this. I have some experience now. I have some modeling. I experience. think women should not be used as furniture, as tables, as plates for food. But see, I just for me, don't this think is the same that's... argument as prostitution. Like, if they want to do this, they don't have to. Right? This is a mode of money making yes. that they're choosing. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that really feminism? Like, Yeah, I mean, they have the power to choose how they want to use their body. We yeah. all have that. Yeah. Um, although women actually don't have that because all our, our bodies are governed by this, white men. This is not and, a Planned Parenthood discussion. Um, although we see that issue the same way. I yeah. totally agree. And that verifies my point even further, which is this is your body, man or woman, or in the middle. Do what you want to do yeah, with it. Do whatever you want to do with it. But like, yeah, that, that's just it. I mean, that that is valid, but I just feel like there are, that's, that per, you're talking about exchanges that are more complex than just being an accessory to a space. And I know that 
if we want people to be better and evolve, you need to give them spaces and tools to do that. And a lot of that is degrading in certain capacities. And we want people to have access to more resources. And if the only thing that you feel, uh, there's so much that- So the modern equivalent of this yes. is Ignite. Yes. And they're one of the most flagrant in the cannabis industry for selling cannabis with sex. Yes. Albeit, put aside the fact that they make a lot of really shitty hemp products. Mm -hmm. They send them to me all the time. Mm -hmm. I got little PR girls in my inbox. Like, (laughs) excuse me, that was demeaning, but... They are girls who do PR for Ignite Cannabis, which is pathetic, but yeah. Yeah, anyway. So I can tell by their emails. I use email a lot and it's like too bubbly. If that makes sense. You know? For a Dan Bilzerian's brand. And just for a PR email to a media outlet. You know? Yeah. Anyway, and they're like, can I send you this? I'm like, yeah, sure. And then it's like the worst icy hot I've ever had. <laughs> but anyway, that's not what we're talking about. I'm not hating. So his products suck. I believe in any business that sells, <laughs> yeah. period, full stop. Mm-hmm. But there's uproar, as well from you as everyone else, mm-hmm. that the cannabis industry should not use sex and exploit women in their advertising. Did I sum that up the right way? Is that, I think you describe it. I think that when I saw on the freeway that ad, it was, I had such a visceral reaction to it because we, at, up until that point, um, this was maybe a year or two ago when he first put up the Ignite ads, we never had cannabis ads before. Mm-hmm. Like no brand could put their anything up. And so to have one of the first cannabis companies yeah. put up an ad be literally two butts with their logo on a, a bathing suit bottom was just so not the industry that I know mm-hmm. and the work that I'm doing to really empower women to make their moves in this space where we can. Mm-hmm. It was just like, I felt like all the work that I was doing actually didn't matter and that men will always be those men. Mm -hmm. And I know how many women are driving past that billboard feeling so alienated and misrepresented. And um, and it just didn't make me feel good in such a way that I was just so shitty because he has them everywhere. And so the brands that have the budget to do that are now putting up this crap and then this is what people are getting from the cannabis industry. But, but this is what legalization is about. Did anybody about choice think, of- Well, not just choice, but corporatization. Yeah. There's a reason that corporations all do things one way. Yeah. The same way because it's how you make a lot of money. Right, and so all these brands, they know. But the I don't formula. think he's going to make a lot of money out of this because I think it's passe. I think like that I think that style, could be very true, but he has a lot of money already. He, yeah, so and that's that not messaging, from himself. I know, but that narrative he can <laughs> yeah. afford to put it out there in the world. So it's not going. He's not going anywhere. I don't think. I no, mean, maybe I'm wrong. Crazy shit happens all the crazy time. Crazy shit happens. Doesn't seem like it. But I mean, our president, have you met him? I've never met him. Ugh, sorry. You have met him. No, I'm oh. just doing a vomit sound because this is how I feel. But I mean, a lot um, of people do. I know a lot of guys that are pretty disgusted. Thank you. Too. I yeah. mean, wow. Congratulations, I, men, that I, you look at Dan Bilzerian and you notice the problems. Good job. Um, I don't hate. I don't hate him, by the way. I, I think he's a caricature. I can never say that word. How do you say that word? Caricature? Yeah, there you go. Mm. And um, that's how a lot of people act in the world, especially on social media. Mm-hmm. And his products suck. And he's clearly well, the, a really thing with Ignite, insecure that, jerk. Yeah, that's clear. Totally. But I don't hate him. He's a no, dude I don't in the world either. making money. I just think like, that he also can, is you know? I leaving. I think that that's great for Dan that he has this company and he's trying it and doing it however he wants to do it authentically to himself. Like everyone deserves to be able to express themselves, but. I think that he's so out of touch with the consumers at this point with his brand. And you can see that very clearly at Hall of Flowers. Like his brand. But is that a himself, Northern California thing no, or Southern no, California? No, his thing? brand itself, like when I was looking, I was my one of my friends had a booth directly across from him. So I was trolling him the, the, that booth the whole time. All <laughs> I mean the, What'd you do at Hall of Flowers? I <laughs> just threw shade really, but <laughs> um but when I was looking at what the brand represents, it's like it represents toxic masculinity in a way that's so 
empty. They had no story to their brand. Their brand mm -hmm. was just black. No one who was there looked like any sort of type of person that connected them to each other. It looked like hired people who just showed up for the day and now have these black jars to talk about. You know, it, mm -hmm. it didn't feel like any anything different at, in and there was no brand there was no identity because like well, how are you gonna brand using women as tables like in you unless you have those women who are wearing bathing suits at the booth that's the way that you're gonna communicate that kind of brand because that's what they're selling you know like you s hang out with dan bilzerian and you too can be an awful human being you know like that resonates with a lot of population because not i mean we're seeing this across the board but there are some people who are not so favorable in this humanity of ours and they like that kind of stuff because that makes them feel powerful because they don't have power in and of themselves so they need to do this garish show to try to capture market by putting two butts on a building you know like and then I get to drive by and be like I'm working for women and weed like every brand that I worked for at that time they were all run by women and I really thought that that was the future and that really made me feel like wow like i actually this will always be here and i think the one thing that we can do is like as consumers also it's like who do you want to support like vote with your dollars this is a thing right like do you want more of that in the world or do you want brands that actually stand for something that you resonate with that's not having sex with a bunch of random women you know like there are bigger things to do with your day than that and that's great for you but why don't we solve some problems here and why don't we give opportunities to people who don't have the opportunities and and represent something bigger which is what cannabis is to me you know like cannabis is not to women on a billboard that don't have faces or have any identity except body parts like to boil it down in that way which i've seen a lot of cannabis brands like other ones there are people all over who are just using women in their advertisements but having her not have any personality within it and that's where it, it, having that woman actually have a voice in that conversation instead of just using them is is a way that you can also like leverage influencers you know and like get those people who have more to say more platform to do it instead of just using people and um selling something as shallow as as that and not really having anything else to say about your brand it, there, it, there's no communication when you get to a retail level of that like I don't know how he can communicate. I mean, like, what, have a goat go through a dispensary and, like, have a little girl in, like, a bikini chase after it? Goat like, yoga? Go yeah, goat yeah, yoga, I so. guess do that and have the teacher not wear clothes. I don't know. Like, tantric goat yoga, that's I mean, can, on brand for Ignite. I don't know. Like, yeah. That sounds pretty cool. What's going on with that joint? Oh, I never pass it. I'm so... Well, you were focused. Yeah. It was a really good back and forth. Um, I think that's as good a place to wrap up as any. Okay. It's been really fun, Betsy. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for being here. Thanks Thank for you. doing it. Yeah. Honestly, you're pretty young, mm -hmm. but I think you're really smart. And I think everybody <laughs> listening to this should hire you. Thank you. Yeah, yeah I'm freelance. Mm -hmm. Hit me up. <laughs> What else do you want to promote? You have a website, whatever? I need to make a website. I need a name for my consulting business. So if you want to give me a name. How are you going to do that? What are, what are some of the ideas? So I've been really interested in like catapult that, as a word, okay. but um, showing like movement. But that's not weedy. That's not like a good pun. No, but I mean, how many green goddess grow? I mean, I actually like Be the more person more creative. Who, I actually really yeah. like Garden Society. I thought they did yeah, a good job. Yeah, that's a great job. I think um, for me, it's like I... I, someone I, I always joke around like Betsy Industries, you know, like because I do so many like random different things you that probably it's, could do better than that. I, Maybe yeah. something around like betting, mm. you know, like the safe bet, some, some <laughs> shit like that, you know, or like, I don't know. Russian well, if that. anyone has any ideas, Blackjack. I'll name my business after you and they'll think you after work that, there. <laughs> no, it's got to be you. It's your business. You're the business. Well, I have the Kabakery, I have Kabake. Yeah, those are fun, another... but those are good for eating brands. You know? Yeah. But this was fun. Let's do it again sometime. Oh, this. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Good to see you. <laughs> you too.